0: Stuck, right? Just saying the word kind of gives you a uh, kind of a uh kind of feeling, right? Stuck. We've all had those instances and we can probably relate to some of those pictures up there the, 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 uh, in the video about being stuck. And uh, we jumped into this last week, uh, how this works out in our spiritual lives. What the scriptures have to say about this uh, this reality of of being stuck? Um, We talk about things like, or you hear people talk about being stuck stuck in a job, stuck in a job. I'm telling you, I've heard heard more than my share of people talking about being stuck in a relationship, um, stuck in a location, right? There's somebody driving around Napoleon uh, every day who has this on the back of their car, right? Stuck in Ohio. Um, and they want the world to know that they feel stuck because they're stuck in this particular location. Stuck in a rut, right? That's sometimes phrases that we use to, to kind <clears> of, <throat> I'm in a rut. We, we use it to convey this idea that I just feel like I'm going nowhere, my wheels are spinning, um, and I'm I'm just in a rut. I uh, I wanted to introduce this uh, just by showing you in scripture a people that are absolutely stuck. It's the people that actually were God's people, people who had all the um, advantages, had the uh, uh, opportunities. Um, they had the the history, they had everything, the Jewish people. And over time, they got so stuck in a rut or in a place that Jesus is having a dialogue with them, and this is what he ends up telling them. John chapter 8, verse 31, uh, going back and forth. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, "'If you hold to my teaching, you are my disciples.'" Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, right? Free is the opposite of stuck. When stuck, I feel like I'm caught. Um, I'm not free. Free is the opposite of that. They answered him. But what are you talking about, Jesus? We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? They are so stuck in their thinking, in their reality. They've been slaves of a lot of people. In fact, when they're saying that, they're slaves to the Roman Empire. They are are delusional. They're stuck in some kind of alternate reality. How can you say that, we've ne- that we shall be set free? And Jesus replied, truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. And so this is what he is trying to communicate to them, what he's trying to communicate to us, something that we really have to grab onto in our spiritual lives. If the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. In Jesus, there is no stuck, all right? In Jesus, there is free, not stuck. I know that you are Abraham's descendants. I know who you are and why you think the way you do, but the reality is, is yet You are this, but look at how you're treating me. You're so stuck in a way of thinking, in a way of living, in a religion, in an approach, that you have come to a part where you look at me, the son, and you want to kill me because you have no room for the words I'm speaking to you. You are absolutely stuck, and you're so stuck that you're actually trying to get rid of me, the one who actually has the ability to make you free or unstuck and so i would just say this kind of coining off a phrase that's popular in our culture this this phrase stuck happens though stuck happens Um, for whatever reason our human nature our human tendencies uh we just we just often or at times in our lives find ourselves stuck stuck happens so last week, we tried to look at where does it happen in our lives, and we visited this idea that stuck uh, happens in our past. So often it happens, we get stuck in our past, stuck in my past. But we realize, and the whole approach here, is that if, if uh, Jesus says that the truth sets you free, I am the truth, I set you free. The approach here is to take scripture and show us, okay, these are the places that we tend to get stuck. These are the areas of our lives that we can, what does the word say about that? And so walking away from last week, we realize that if I'm stuck in my past, if often my energy and my time, and when I'm alone or when I'm driving, I I am preoccupied or I'm occupied by past, 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 and I get stuck there and I live there, the reality of the word tells us that I become unstuck from my past when I what? When my failure is redeemed, my hurt is released, and my identity is realized. We get stuck in, in past failures, past mistakes, in past hurts, and in past identities. And the scriptures have something to say about all of that. And uh, we visited that. But today I want to go to another area um, that we get stuck. And this is really practical today. But um, I simply would entitle it, Stuck with Myself. Stuck with Myself. Listen to these words. This is a guy in scripture. And these are the words he had to say. I do not understand what I do. You ever ever said that about yourself? For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Listen to him as he continues to talk a few verses later. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. This is Paul, right? Right? This is him looking back in his life at a time in his life and he's saying, listen, I was absolutely stuck. In fact, I have the desire to do good but I just can't carry it out. I want to, I try. Uh, For him, he said one of his biggest areas he got stuck is he would just look around and he would become envious of what other people had or what the position of other people, their status, their possessions. And he said, man, my whole life I'm trying so hard to do good, and yet I keep getting stuck. And in fact, if I look at my life right now, it's literally like this. I want to do it, but I can't do it. Stuck. I wonder this morning if if, uh, those words, I have the desire to do good, but I cannot carry it out would describe some of us or describe some of the phases or the periods of our lives. Or maybe you would just say, you know what, that's exactly, I'm here, I'm in church on a Sunday morning, but honestly, every good intention I have or every desire to become something, I just, I can't, I can't carry it out. I would say that you're stuck, stuck with yourself. These questions Go through your mind often why do I do what I do or why do I keep doing what I do it's things like saying to yourself I'm not going to eat that and then I find myself eating that I say to myself don't tell her she's like her mother don't tell her she's like your mother whatever you do don't tell her that and then you look and then you hear somebody saying you're just like your mother and you realize that it's you. I'm not going to look at that, and then I do. I'm not going to drink that, then I do. I'm not going to mess up this relationship, and then I do. I say to myself, I'm gonna avoid conflict. I'm gonna boldly confront, and then I avoid. I'm not gonna worry, I'm gonna pray, and then I'm anxious. I'm not going to obsess. I'm just going to live with lightness And trust in God today, and then I find myself obsessing and worrying and fearful about the things I told myself I wasn't going to do. Stuck with myself. And maybe today you would say, listen, the habits, the decision making, the attitude of my life only points to this reality of just being stuck, wheels spinning. I would say that probably all of us deal with this often on some level, some area of our life. Maybe today you're saying, listen, most of my habits are just stuck. I have the desire to do good, but I can't carry it out. My decision making is awful. I can't get out of my own way. Or my attitude, it is just completely turned. It's not what it should be. I, I, I wish I could have a better outlook or attitude on life. I wish I wouldn't be cynical or negative or uh, <clears throat> a complainer, but I just can't. I think that probably all of us at some point have to uh, deal with this in some ways. But I want to, uh, I want to talk a little bit about what this, what this means. Because... There is this reality of of, uh, stuck with myself. It looks like this. My affection for God is distant and numb. My worship of God is empty and it's distracted. This is what people that are stuck look like. I'm unimpressed and I'm aloof to the things of God. The word of God is, is boring Spiritual advice is met met with cynicism. Maybe you come in, and as soon as the sermon starts, your attitude is kind of like one of a cynical posture. I wonder what he's going to say today. I wonder, you know, I wonder how... This is people that get stuck. We kind of, this is what it looks like in our lives. Spiritual things end up producing guilt so often. And really, what happens with people who get stuck is they live with this desired self versus the real self, discouraged and frightened by this gap between who I want to be and who I am. We feel this torque between our desired relationship with God, the emotions, the disciplines, the relationship with God, and the real life our thoughts are tangled, our feet slog, our experiences are raw, our passions are dulled, and our expectations are disappointed. And honestly, we just are stuck with ourselves. Often that creates this, what the, the uh, psychologists call the sorry cycle. Um, I long for something, then I regret that I didn't do it, then I long for it and I regret and I long, and they just call it the sorry cycle where so many people live because they're stuck and they can't get to where they want to go and they end up just living with a bunch of regret and then longing and regret, longing and regret. It's the pattern many people live every day But where do we get stuck? Why do we get stuck? Or what, how, how does this happen? And there's a few things simply, three things I want to visit this morning. Stuck with myself. I would want to remind you that so often we get stuck with ourselves because we get stuck in my trying. Stuck in my trying. It goes like this I feel guilt. I'm not who I want to be I'm not seeing the things in my life I want to see I'm I'm uh, consistently looking and saying you know my habits this habit needs to change or this I need to make better decisions or my attitude is poor I'm just stuck and I, I feel guilty for that so the first impulse is to do what try harder We live in a try harder world. If you didn't realize that, the answer for so many people is the problem with your life is you need to try harder. That's the human philosophy of our world. Unfortunately, it has become the religious philosophy of most of our world. The answer is try harder. And so many of the religions of our world simply leave you in a place that if you do this and this and this, you'll be better, you'll change, you'll do more, or you'll be accepted by God. Just try harder. Well, what does that do? You've been there, right? Paul was there, the guy who's saying, listen, I, I, why do I do what I do? I want to do this and I can't do it, and I end up doing what I don't want to do, and I have a desire and I can't carry it out. And you literally come to a place where what? You can only try harder so long. So what do you do? You get tired of trying harder because you you only have so much. And so you get fatigued. And then after a while, you're so fatigued that you just do what? You throw your hands up and, and quit. And you quit for a while, and then something comes along, and you feel guilty because of the fact that you've quit. The fact that you've mailed it in and you're not even trying or you're not even becoming the person. So you do what? You feel guilty so you try harder. Then you fatigue and then you quit. I have seen this already so often in my uh, 14 years in pastoral ministry. Man, am I that old? 14 years. I've seen this. I've seen people on this cycle all the time. And they, they feel guilty or something happens in their life and they realize, "Oh, I am not where I want to be and, or I've, I've made this so many, I've made so many poor decisions and I, I've got myself in this crisis I need to, I need to change. I need to I'm stuck. I, I'm just here and I need to be here and, and so I'm guilty for that, so now what I need to do is I need to try harder. I need to change myself. I need to do this, this and this, and then I'll become better and then I'll and after a while, then they fatigue. And then they quit. So you don't see them for a while at church. They check out or they, they're not serving anymore because they're, you see what I mean? It's just this cycle that we get into. And so often we're stuck with ourselves because we're stuck in our trying, in our trying. And this is what I would say about this this morning. Some of you might Raise your eyebrow when I use this illustration. But I think there is something so powerful here. Bill W. was a man who hit rock bottom. His addiction to alcohol had put him in jail. He had lost his means of making a living. He had been hospitalized four times. In fact, his doctor told his wife that there were three choices. She could either have him locked up, she could watch him go insane, or she could let him die. He had come to that rock bottom point of his life. Bill knew this was true. He was desperate. He was hopeless. And one day he met a man who invited him to a little fellowship of people who were followers of Jesus. They were part of something called the Oxford Group, and they were trying to recapture the way of life of the early church, and they devoted themselves to these practices like really honest self-examination and confession to each other, and making restitution, and seeking to give themselves in humble service. And they were simply trying to live this way and then share it with other people. He met this man, started with this group, and out of this, Alcoholics Anonymous was born. A lot of people aren't aware of this, but AA was received from the church, from the scriptures, from Jesus. The gift of these practices a way of life through which people by the hundreds of thousands receive the power to live a life of freedom, of sobriety, that they could not live through their own willpower and their own efforts. In fact, you know that there's how many steps in A? All of us know this, 12. Bill actually had 12 steps as they represented the 12 apostles. And the minute I start talking about Alcoholics Anonymous and Bill W., some of you are like, what's he doing? I'm not stuck like that. I'm not stuck like that. But I would say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You might not hit rock bottom in alcoholism, but so often we can look at our lives and we get in these periods where we just get absolutely stuck with ourselves. We're not going anywhere and we desire to be something and we're not pulling it off and we're just stuck I would say that even though we're not to that level, what they realized in Alcoholics Anonymous—these steps, these principles, this group, this, these gifts of practices—I believe have so much scriptural. Uh, uh, their scriptural and their practices are something that we need to take a hold of. What is Step One in Alcoholics Anonymous? It's this, I am powerless over myself and my life is unmanageable. I am powerless over myself and my life is unmanageable. Wow. How many of you today are willing to make that confession about your own life. I'm not caught in alcohol. I'm managing my life to some degree. I would tell you the scriptures teach us that if we want a life that is free, that avoids being stuck, periods of being stuck, I would tell you that if you're stuck right now and you're saying my habits are poor, my decision making is, it's just spotty, it's, it's shady, my attitudes are rotten, this is a great place to start right here. I am powerless over myself and my life is unmanageable. Listen to this. This is, this is exactly how I feel about myself this morning. I'm a mess on my own. I am powerless over my own ego, and my life is unmanageable. I need God. Left to myself, I waste my one and only life in stupid ways. I will damage and neglect relationships. I will make idols of success and my reputation. I will dishonor my sexuality. I will use words which I'm supposed to use for God to deceive people. I will use people for my own advancement when I'm supposed to serve others. I will serve myself instead of serving others, instead of serving you. Greed will rule my wallet. Resentments will fill my heart in a nanosecond. Pride will govern my choices. Ego will will just dominate my life left to myself i will spend a pathetic existence trying to polish my outer image and hide so no one can see what an egocentric sinner i am on the inside if successful in this i will go to the grave a respectful fraud i'm a mess and i need god That is at the point where each one of us create a dynamic where we can experience what it is to either not consistently find ourselves being stuck or right now if you're stuck, this is the way up. I'm stuck and the thing that I need above everything else is not to try harder, I need Jesus Christ. That's who I am. I'm telling you, maybe you look at me like, what's going on with that guy? Maybe we need to have a meeting. Listen, that would be my life at 38 had not Jesus come into my life all those years ago. He has made all the difference. And what he offers to us is this. Listen to Paul as he's talking about the fact that he's caught. I desire to do good and I can't. And he finally comes to the end of that chapter in Romans and he says, But thanks be to God for this undescribable gift, which is Jesus Christ. And then he unpacks it in Romans chapter eight. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. And he just keeps talking about this and he keeps saying this one word. How in the world did he get unstuck? It was this one reality. It was the spirit of Jesus Christ coming into his life. And finally he says this in Romans chapter eight. You however, you people are not of the realm of the flesh but are in the realm of the spirit. Indeed the spirit of God lives in you. Listen to what he said in 2 Corinthians chapter three verse 17. Now the Lord is the spirit. Jesus, this one is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? The opposite of stuck, freedom. Listen to him as he testifies in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I know what? No longer live, but what's happening? God, Christ, is living in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved himself and gave himself for me. And really the thing that's on my heart this morning more than anything else to communicate to you is so often our world, the humanism of our world, and so often the religious philosophies our day, the answer is for you to try harder to get unstuck. Try harder to be a better person. And I want to remind you that that's never been the reality of how this happens. It's always been one thing and one thing alone. And that is Jesus Christ coming into your life by the power of his spirit and him energizing you, inspiring you, strengthening you to become the person that you always have been created to be. Amen? This is not a try harder church. If you want self-improvement stuff, well, I could probably tell you where to go. If you want a church that makes you feel guilty about your life so that we're, we're trying to, guilt is the primary motivation to try to make you change and go somewhere else. That's not what we're about here because we believe that there is one thing, one thing only, and that is the spirit of Jesus Christ in us. That's what we need more than anything else. I can't stop being proud by trying hard to be humble. I can't defeat lust by trying hard to defeat lust. I can't stop lying by trying hard to stop lying. I have to go deeper than that. I have to do one thing, and that's be willing to surrender my life to the lordship of Jesus Christ. That's the answer. Surrendering my will. What does this mean? Well, to surrender my lives means I commit to following Jesus no matter what the particular outcomes are. I would simply say this, that I'm stuck in my trying and what in the world do I do about that? Surrender of my self-efforts and surrender to the Spirit's control is the only way to being unstuck from my self. Amen? Yes. That's so, it's so, This is is so unbelievably great. It's not on me. Because when it's been on me, I have absolutely nosedived. I've become a worse person than I was before I even started trying. I complicated things. My self-efforts just made it worse and worse and worse. And I came to a point in my life where like, You know, I had a moment where I realized doing my own thing and pursuing my own way was just going to be awful and it was going to be two or three marriages and it was going to be just self-centered and egocentric. I didn't want that, so I'm coming to you, Jesus. And then I got into this idea that, okay, so I need to now try harder and make myself better for God. And I realized that I, I absolutely crashed into a place where I honestly believe I was worse than I before I ever started trying. Because trying does that. It does that. We were never equipped to do this. We can't. We are not able within ourselves. In fact, when we try within ourselves, we make things worse. The gospel is come to him. Surrender your life to him. Turn from yourself. Turn to him and allow his Holy Spirit in you. And you don't have to try harder to do that. You just have to surrender your life. You don't have to put in a certain amount of time and know a certain amount of verses or uh, reach a certain level of morality or ethics. It's just simply turn to Jesus and say, listen, my life is unmanageable. I can't do this, I need God. Stuck with myself, stuck in my trying is answered by this one idea. Second thing I would share with you is, so often we get stuck in my isolation. Stuck in my isolation. You know what the common denominator for stuck people is so often, is they live without the help of others. We so often isolate ourselves. We hide, we avoid, we cover up, we close ourselves up. Stuck people lack transparency, and they stay stuck because they stay isolated. I just want to share this with you real fast. James, though, the scriptures pre- present a different dynamic, a different reality, a different answer for this. <clears throat> if being unstuck for myself includes stop trying in my own strength and allowing the Holy Spirit, there is also a different Uh, There is a complementary way that this happens, and it's in things like this. Listen to James. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good works. That's why we don't forget forsake getting together as some are in the habit of doing but we are encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You see, stuck with yourself is, is it, becoming unstuck from that is the spirit's power in your life, his strength in your life, but it's also putting yourself in a place where you're not isolated anymore and the community of Christ is there to encourage and support and pull you out of those habits, those bad decision-making tendencies that you have, those attitudes. The body of Christ has been given so that we, we, we avoid those things, we're strengthened from those things. And I would simply say this, Inviting trusted people into my life for support and encouragement break me free from being stuck with myself. That's why we offer small groups here. That's why we're in the middle of trying to put together a network of small groups that's why, here in a week or two, we'll give you an opportunity to sign up for a small group. And, and we literally are trying to put from the foundation up a network of groups in this church because we believe in this principle. We get stuck outside of the community of Jesus Christ, we get isolated, we live unto ourselves, and we were never meant to do that. But inviting trusted people into our lives that support and encourage, keep us accountable, are what keep us from becoming a place where we look around and say, you know what, I'm just stuck. Bad habits, bad decision making, bad attitudes. So often, stuck with myself, I, I get stuck in my isolation. And the scriptures say something about that. The last thing I want you to notice, though, is stuck in my paradigm. Stuck in my paradigm. And to me, this is one of the biggest things I want us to take away from today. You know, there was a a, a Sports Center moment a few years ago in baseball. Um, a lot of times, they'll show things that happen in the crowd, right? Somebody catches a foul ball, or you know, it'll make Sports Center to have the highlight. And there was one of those moments in the Phillies Nationals game. Um, a Phillies fan had shown up with his three-year-old daughter and they were sitting in the uh, upper deck and um, a foul ball somehow made it up to where they were at in the front row of the upper deck. And afterwards this man, you know, he talked about the fact that he, he, his, he wants to catch a foul ball. I mean, you're a fan, you go, you want a foul ball and the ball comes back up into the upper deck and he's able, he's able to catch it with which he then turns around and hands it to his three-year-old daughter. Like, here's what we got. And his three year old daughter grabs it and throws it down into the lower deck. And they caught this on camera. And you would think that what would be the reaction? What are you doing? You know, to which the father just instinctually hugs his daughter. He just gives her a big hug. And they couldn't, sports centers just, oh, look at this guy. Daughter throws what he wants into the, and the, his first instinctual reaction is just a hugger. Let me tell you this. Romans chapter 2, verse 4, a verse that helped reset my thinking. Do you not, do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, his forbearance, and his patience? Not realizing. That it's God's kindness that is intended to lead you to what? Repentance. Repentance is that idea of of turning around, 180, right? And if I'm stuck, I want to be somewhere else. I want to do a 180 on that. And do I not realize that the way God is kind to me, He's forbearing, He's patient with me, is all for one reason. It's to get me unstuck. And instead of, why'd you do that for? And mentally, he just kicked me, you know, right in the butt because I did that. I made that terrible decision again. I did this and that. Instead, God's posture toward us, and it's something we can't understand because it's a different paradigm than this world lives and treats us with is he turns to us and even when we've thrown the ball back into the lower deck, his initial response is to hug us, to love us, to be patient with us, to be forbearing with us because he's literally on the line for one thing. I want you to be unstuck also and I am going to continue to show mercy and love and grace to you So that you realize, what in the world? Why in the world wouldn't I follow this Jesus? Why wouldn't I surrender my life to this one who's always reaching out toward me in love? You see, we find all through the history of the world that it's actually acts of kindness and love are what changes hearts. And it's Jesus Christ on a cross doing what was not deserved, I mean, doing the most bold act of injustice, honestly, this innocent man standing there taking our place, it's what changes our lives, isn't it? It's what changes our hearts. It's not Jesus on the cross saying, try harder, do better. It's Jesus on the cross saying, you're lost. You can't fix it. What you need is me and my life and the love that I give. Maybe I'm talking to people who are stuck with yourself or maybe you've been there before. Maybe it's an up and down thing for you and I don't know. And I know that, hey, I'm the first to admit that there's sometimes in my life I get stuck on certain things and I need to be reminded that it won't be me that'll fix it. It'll be Christ in me And what I need to do is just open my heart up and continue to connect with the Holy Spirit to prioritize that relationship more than anything because it's what I need. It's not what I have to do or how I earn approval from God. It's what I desperately need to be the person he's called me to be. I need his spirit in me. I need to be connected. I need to have a different way of thinking. Not this world's way of thinking. You screwed up, well, go work your way back up. Go down to the lower office and you can work your way back up to the upper office after a while. No, God treats us with love and compassion because he simply wants us to get strengthened, open our heart to the answer, which is him. Walk away from that self-effort, self-trying, try harder mentality. I become unstuck for myself when I surrender to his power, embrace his community, and am overwhelmed by his love. And so this morning, I want us to just stand and I have just prayed the Holy Spirit would make this applicable to wherever you're at. Some of you might be stuck like Bill W. You're not in Alcohol Anonymous, but your life is completely stuck in bad habits and decision-making and Probably most of us find ourselves stuck in a certain area of our life, certain areas, attitudes, different stuff. And I just want to remind you the answer is still the same His Holy Spirit's the answer. Just open your heart to Him and be overwhelmed by the, the love that He has for you, His posture towards you. So let's sing this today. and I just want us to sing it as a way to open our hearts up to the Lord. And whatever he's speaking to you about, just would you, would, you, would you open your heart to him? Now's the time. Now's the moment. Maybe you're stuck. Well, guess what? You don't have to do penance or say a certain amount of prayers. or Just open your heart to him right now.